0: Here we go, hour three. It's like the witching hour, because it's starting to get dark, and I know at the house, uh, this is when the kids come around trick-or-treating, and since I'm not there, (laughs) hopefully they'll leave the place unscathed and show a little patience and come back maybe around 7.30. But that being said, it's Wednesday, and that means our roundtable group is in for a hearty discussion. That includes our friend John Turley-Ewart, risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets, and at one point was the associate editor of the Financial Post and senior editor at the National Post. John, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Buzz Hargrove is the former national president of the Canadian Auto Workers and now distinguished visiting prof at Ryerson University's Ted Rogers School of Management. How's Buzz? Great, John. Great to have you here. And Thank Catherine you. Swift, the former president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, currently spokesperson for Working Canadians. How's Catherine? Great. Thanks, John. Appreciate you coming in. Let me start with you, Catherine, because, as you know, the former CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, business has a lot at stake when it comes to taxes, uh, like the cap and trade tax the carbon tax, whatever one might want to call it. But uh, Bill Ford got passed today. The Ford government said they'd do it. He did, certainly during the election campaign. So they passed the Cap and Trade Cancellation Act. And uh, amidst... I guess much rancor and resentment from the left, if the last hour is any indication. Everybody, you know, was suggesting this is retrograde thinking and uh, it's going to lead to a scorched earth ultimately and uh, it's going in the wrong direction. Yet I'm reading from the Ford's press release, the government's press release, uh, the Trucking Association, Small Business, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation are all in favor. Why is it good policy to cancel this?
1: well it's basically the cancellation of a tax and and one that there's a lot of uh, very very mixed evidence as to how effective it is the whole notion of cap and trade versus a carbon tax which they're you know they're they're, they're supposed to have similar goals but they're quite different in their in, in the way they're implemented cap and trade has been in place in europe for probably the longest i think that it's been in place anywhere on the planet um, and it has been a corrupt mess. It has been, the system invites people to game it, and you're basically creating kind of an artificial market of permits to, to pollute or not. And anyway, without belaboring this and getting into some terribly long detail, um, what, what has happened in other jurisdictions uh, is that you know, it has been very much gamed by companies uh, and, and indeed, we even saw in Ontario there was quite a bit of discussion over the last week about the fact that we were integrated with California in this case so the the actual gains in terms of, and of course California is a way different environment than Canada in terms of being lots warmer and, you know, on and on, mm. doesn't need the same kind of uh, use of uh, fossil fuels um, you know, that are, are, did it really produce the gains that we wanted to see in Ontario or did, did Ontario companies were buying, you know, buying credits mm-hmm. from people in California that had much lesser uh, emissions uh, levels and right. so on and so forth. Right. So but I, we're personally, sending money. cap and trade is not the best system, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. If you truly want to get into the, you know, the, the environmental game. Well, look, the idea, too, that
0: we'd be sending money to Quebec or California buying emissions credits from them. Does that make sense to you, Buzz?
2: Well, uh, I guess... My concern, John, is uh, with what the government has moved ahead in doing, and they have the right to do it. They ran; that's part of their platform. Uh, is they've, they've not come out with anything to replace it? We're going to be faced with a continuation of uh, burning uh, the current uh, fossil fuel, and we're going to continue to uh, pollute the environment. If we, if we were to quit altogether burning uh, fossil fuel, would it make a big difference in the world? No, of course not. We're only a very small part uh of a much uh, larger world. But the fact that somebody's leading and showing the way, uh we have to do something. The Ford government can't get away with four years of not doing anything here. So the question is, what are you going to replace it with?
1: And All they right. are they are supposedly going to come out with something which we haven't seen yet. They've so have said, that. So, yes. Yeah.
0: Well that's what Rod Phillips, the environment minister, said earlier today. Uh, But Ontario's cap-and-trade carbon tax era is officially over, is what he said. John Turley-Ewart, is this policy in the right direction, notwithstanding that we don't know yet what they would replace it with, but is a carbon tax folly?
3: Well, I think it's the end of virtue signaling. And, and, and the, the question that the, you know, your previous panel of tricksters uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't uh, answer, uh, and here's the treat, John, is like, what is the price that we pay in Ontario for uh, you know, playing this, the, this, this uh, virtue signaling game? So, for instance, uh, we have hallway medicine. Uh, we have uh, people up north who have to choose between food um, and heating their homes. And so when you know, the Liberals had 15 years to give this a shot, And we saw what happened. You know, it was a little, the little guy, the small business guy, small business woman who ended up paying the price. Look, there is an opportunity globally to deal with this issue. It's not happening. Happening Kyoto Accord? How did that work? Didn't happen. The Paris Accord, which Justin Trudeau says he's hoping to you know to meet, not a chance that they're ever going to get near that. So the question is, can we build the technology to help reduce carbon emissions? And and I think really that that has to become the policy going down the road in the future. But you cannot do this virtue signaling and ask you know uh, you know the middle class and and poor folks, frankly, uh, to eat the cost of it. I mean, under the Liberals, we were giving. Millions billionaires, uh, you know, subsidies to buy electric cars. Right.
0: It was nuts. $14,000, I guess it was capped that. But, you know, in the argument I made with the last cohort of people here in the hour before was that this is a retrograde tax insofar as, you know, if you've got 11 cents more tacked onto the liter of gasoline, the person who's making minimum wage still has to pay that.
3: Right, exactly. It's not progressive at all. And and that's what I was saying about who it disproportionately impacts. So you have folks who are living up in northern Ontario who you know likely drive trucks because of the weather and, and the landscape up there. They're the ones who are hit the most. And the folks who, and I've talked about them before, who ride their bikes and, and buy their lattes and carry their books in a knapsack have no concept of life in rural Ontario. Well, we shouldn't exaggerate uh, the
2: impact on poor people because... the. One of our major problems is poor people can't afford cars. Never mind. Uh, uh, well, we're paying, talking about the working the poor. Price we're for, talking about the uh, working poor. I'm middle, talking about working poor. Get on exactly. the bus in the morning and find out how the working poor get to work or the subway. Yeah, uh, and not, that price not is a lot, going not up. Not a lot of them are driving their own uh, their own uh, vehicle. All right, but even to. apart
0: from that, if they go buy groceries, the groceries are costing more to deliver. There's
2: no question it raises a cost, uh, and and to be able to deal with the. Ongoing challenge we face as a human family is going to be cost, and the question is how do we spread that cost and make it fair?
1: And, see, and I, how do you also and and you know said that I saw the trucking association, for example, response to the the getting rid of cap and trade today, and you know they had a very good point. They they burn diesel. That that is the the nature of a, a fleet of uh, you know of trucks. And it, there, is no, there is no replacement for that right now. To, you know, so right. in many cases, we're in a cold country. In many, many cases, you know, the whole notion of taxing carbon is to inter- encourage people to use something else or change their behavior or whatever. In many instances, we can't change our behavior in the middle of winter. We have to heat our houses. We can't, you know, you get into remote areas or northern Ontario or whatever. You you know, you can't not drive to where you're going. Right. So, you know, this is where we look at policies in other countries. They don't apply to Canada. And and, and we have seen a lot of virtue signaling, people that want to, you know, Trudeau, his his carbon tax, every day they seem to be um, I- exempting another massive emitter. And I think their credibility, which was never high in the first place, uh, d- declines every single time. Right. You know, they just yeah, coal coal plant, plants A coal plant in New Brunswick, in New Brunswick. they Brunswick. just exempted,
3: exactly. it. And, yeah. you know, from, from the carbon tax. But here's the other issue, and I'd ask Buzz, if we wanted to put a carbon tax on here, and there's not one in the United States, and let's say our automakers had to pay a huge carbon tax, which makes it playing field uneven, meaning that American manufactured cards are going to be much cheaper than ours. Is that fair? No, uh, it's not fair. There has to be
2: a way to do it, because remember, it's the same companies that operate in Canada exactly. that operate in the United States. So we lose our Japan competitive advantage.
3: Exactly. So it's and got to be a global...
2: Our, our, our competitive advantage, unfortunately, hasn't proven to be the... Be all and uh, an end all. We've had a competitive ag- advantage in the auto sector for many, many years in terms of labor costs, the costs of uh, energy. All of those things have been. Uh, beneficial, but it didn't mean we ended up with even our fair share of the auto production. But
3: but you would agree that at least we have to start on an even playing field. If there's going to be a carbon tax, it needs to be applied globally on an equal basis, so you don't have imports coming in and, and undermining our job market here. Is that correct? I, I, I'm absolutely been clear on that, John, for a lot of years. There has to be uh, any,
2: anybody that can get an advantage on doing things properly, good on them. The development of new technology, all of that, very, very important for the a future of the uh, of the human family but uh, the unfair advantage and trade and all those things is what has to be done. Was,
3: was that a yes or a no? I'm not sure if I'm getting a <laughs> trick here or a <laughs> <Yeah>. treat.
0: Well, <laughs> you know, but uh, I I was under the impression that there were 19 sectors that were exempt from these emissions, including the auto sector, chemicals, uh, you know, because, again, they sort of
3: cherry pick. Well, well, precisely, and this is what happens. And so um, you start exempting all the various sectors because you don't want to lose jobs, and Justin Trudeau has um, has admitted that. And so you move down the scale to who's actually going to pick up the bill, right, and that was a challenge in Ontario. Who was paying the bill? It was a, it was largely the, the the middle class folks who are looking at higher taxes. And if you want to ask why Doug Ford got rid of cap trade today, just look at the former Liberal government and the impact of their
1: policies. And it, hit, it hits the small business sector within the business community super hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, all, all of these exemptions. If you're truly concerned about the environmental impact, not just trying to look good on the international stage, why are you exempting massive polluters? And again, of course, we know it, it is competitive reasons, but that just means a heavier burden has to be paid for everyone else, you by know, everyone else.
0: I'm, I'm kind of curious, because Buzz, you talked about uh, innovation and technology. Now, uh, taxes are meant to be coercive. By their nature, you know, they get you to do something or stop doing something. But do you think a free market, and I use this analogy last hour, uh, same argument, the world will beat a path to the door of the man who may, builds the better mousetrap. Emerson said that. And that basically is if you develop something, the market, the free market, people will respond. And then, you know, that's progress. Do you think that that's possible? We'll develop technologies to address emissions and so on and so forth, irrespective of taxation.
2: But you got, you got to find a way to spend some money on it. And if the private sector is not doing it, if they're not investing in the technologies that we need, because it's just too easy to get uh, a, a fuel to, uh, today that pollutes, no, But then the, government, it, the government has to play a key role in leading in that really? area, and it can be an incentive for this, for business to get get involved. But as if well.
0: wind turbines and solar were actually efficient, uh, don't you think a lot of people would get into the game of producing them because that would be the alternative, and they're off to the races. Well, that and that that would seem to make sense. But but you say cost, you've got to incentivize this. Yeah, you still got to incentivize.
2: Well, it. well the incentive but this
1: is, did, is you're going to make a whack of money if you do it right. Yeah,
3: yeah but but we what happened we saw what, happened with, so, we saw what happened with solar panels. Right. You know, the the, you know, it's a race to the bottom and you had the Chinese who are not part of any carbon plan uh, who are making cheap solar panels and wiped out much of that industry in the Western world. So where do solar panels come from today? Ironically, the country that's that's building more coal plants than anywhere else on the planet. That would be China.
1: Yeah, Yeah. look at that. And a lot of tax dollars (laughs) went into subsidizing makers of solar panels, and then they went bankrupt, and people are left holding the bag. I don't
2: think they put any tariffs on the solar panels either. (laughs) No, they didn't. Because
0: the American consumers are demanding them. Well, that's the problem, too. So Trump is right. You're supportive of Trump's uh, trade policies.
2: i not supportive of anything that even <laughs> smells of Trump.
0: Oh, oh. okay. Well, uh, something that even smells of Trump. Uh, I'm going to give you a whiff of that in just a moment here, Buzz. And we'll see where we take that discussion in a moment with John Turley-Eward, Buzz Hargrove, Catherine Swift, and The Oakley Show, Global News Radio 640 Toronto.